mustard sweater at the end of April, a very <laughs> bold-fashioned move today. John Lieb, everybody. I've uh, fired it up here. We're going to do a little slideshow today. So, ready? Ready, aim, fire. Is it, can you see anything yet? All right. So, today, yes. <laughs> There is a God. <laughs> I'm sure of it now. My faith will never, ever fail again. My computer actually connected with our system. So today, we're going to talk about a new kind of party, as Jay already mentioned, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, if you know about parties, a great party requires a lot of things, but you need to have a great host, special occasion, friends and family, good food, meaningful gifts. Let me tell you something about hosting. If you get an invitation from Walter White, you don't want to go to that party, okay? Walter White's not a good host. You guys here, nobody knows who Walter White is? Breaking, breaking Bad? Nobody's seen Breaking Bad? See, I just put a little note. See, it says, we celebrate your birthday. When I say we celebrate your birthday, that's not a good host, all right? You guys, okay. No Walter White jokes. They didn't. Christians are all in this church. They don't watch Breaking Bad. Some parties aren't good parties. This is a bad party. Christmas party goes bad. Waitress stabs own mother with candy cane over Walmart gift card. Not a good party, okay? Real Housewives of L.A., another bad party. It went sideways right here. I don't know who the two women are, but they're not happy. Here's another bad party. Good food's important to a party. If you go to the Breaking Bad party, I'm going to remember, I'm sorry, I thought you guys all knew what Breaking Bad was. Don't eat the cupcakes at the Breaking Bad party, all right? The sprinkles on top are, are, are not what you think, Okay. Other kinds of gifts you might bring to a party. This might ruin a party, too. The bath and brew <laughs> attachment. If you, if you really have to get your coffee in the morning, don't get it in the shower, okay? Just, it, your friend doesn't want to get coffee in the shower either, no matter how much they love coffee. Another one is, this is not the best gift to give that man in your life. Hand or pants, Okay? <laughs> Some of you are going, are you kidding? This is actually a product. Don't give this to that man in your life or woman in your life, all right? Here's another one. If you're thinking what to give that new mom, the kangaroo onesie is not what you should give that new mom. Oh, it didn't, it didn't, sorry. Not a good look for the new mom, okay? It is kind of hide that little bulge, but the poor kid is going to be traumatized for the rest of their life with these kinds of photos. So what we're talking about today is spiritual gifts, all right? Spiritual gifts. And we're going to look at a, a, a passage in 1 Corinthians. It's a letter from Paul to a church in Corinth. And here's what he says. Wherever, oh, I, I, sorry, go back. Whenever followers of Jesus gather together, the Holy Spirit is always throwing party. He's always throwing a party. So whenever believers get together, the Holy Spirit brings gifts. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11, I want to read through this. If you want to get your Bible out, you can. 
Uh, I'm going to put the words up on the screen, though. Starting at verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, I highlighted that one verse because that's sort of a verse we're going we're to try to unpack. That's, he's going to begin to explain all kinds of spiritual gifts, but notice that line. Let me read it again. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And notice, to one, to one, to one, to one. It's, it's, it's going to make a point here. Paul's just reinforcing this point that the Spirit's giving gifts to everybody. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the, that same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And to another, miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now, Paul opened this passage by saying this. Our problem is really is that we really don't understand spiritual gifts. Now, he was writing to a church that really had a rich experience. I mean, Paul acknowledged it, that they had a rich experience with spiritual gifts, but they still didn't get it. Because we just don't understand, like what Paul said there, there's so many ways that God's working. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are involved in, in releasing gifts and in working and in, in doing it in all kinds of different ways. And that actually these nine gifts are not, clearly if you've read the New Testament, they're not all the gifts that there are. And there's, I don't even believe because all the spiritual gift lists are so different that, that those lists that we have are really an exhaustive list of all the spiritual gifts that are out there. Because if you know, if you know one thing about God, he's creative. And he, he's given us so many kinds of gifts. They're all expressions of his creativity. And so... Our problem is, is we, we oftentimes think we know something about spiritual gifts. And, and like Paul said to one church in the New Testament, he said, take heed where you stand lest you fall. If, if someone begins to think they know something, let them be as if they don't know anything. Because it's, it's like as soon as you become com- content that you know something about spiritual gifts, you, we tend to stop growing. We, we tend to stop pressing in and desiring everything God has because we think, oh, I've got it all right now because I've experienced some wonderful moment where, where God worked. And then we sort of shut the door and think that that's all God has for us. So Paul says, about the gifts of the Spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, here's some common mistakes about spiritual gifts. They don't happen anymore. Uh, there's a whole part of the church that doesn't believe spiritual gifts happen anymore except for preaching and teaching. They think that in the apostolic era, when Scripture was written, that, that the Holy Spirit sort of just lifted off the church in all the ways that he had worked throughout history up to that point. And that spiritual gifts, especially 
these sign gifts and power gifts, they just don't happen anymore. And that's just not true. That's completely unscriptural. I'm not going to go into an argument for that. I'm just going to tell you, there's no biblical basis for it. None. There's one verse that gets used as the point of reference for that, and it's misinterpreted. So second, people think spiritual gifts are rewards for maturity. That if I'm mature, these, these gifts come. That's not why they come. The hint is they're called gifts, okay? We tend to think they're under our control. And the Holy, as we saw in that passage, the Holy Spirit gives them. We have to cooperate with Him. We work and partner with the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes people think only certain special people get spiritual gifts. So really special people get gifts of the Spirit. That's not true. That, that passage refutes that. So here's a, here's a quote by Jack Deere, who at one point was a person who believed that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped. And he went to a meeting where someone was teaching on uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and healing. And he went there because he was kind of curious, but he was a little, a little worried about uh, what might happen because he was a professor at a very conservative seminary down south. And he sat in the meeting in the very back row. He said, I sat in the back row with my friends, so if something weird happened, we could get out. Plus, I didn't want anybody to see me because everyone's looking forward, and, and I'm in the back, and they might not see me. I don't want my reputation ruined around weird stuff. And so he said the person gave this great biblical message, and at the end of it, he said, okay, let's pray and ask God what he might want to do. And then he thought, wow, I've never seen anybody do this before, that God might want to do something like what he taught because he's talking on spiritual gifts and healing. And so he said, I think there's uh, people here, and he asked for, for people to come forward for prayer. And he said, there's a woman here, and he described some kind of physical ailment. And he said, God wants to heal you. And then he went on to his mother, and he came back, and he said it again. There's a woman here, and he described the kind of ailment, and he added some more detail to it. And then he went on to some more people, and he came back to it, and he said, there's a woman here, and I just feel like God's prompting you. He wants to heal you. And you just went to the doctor three days ago, and he told you this. And, and so Jack Deere said he was sitting there thinking, oh, this was great up to that point. This is like, but this is like the like Old Testament, New Testament Wow, like he's speaking like that. This is really risky. And, he's, and the, he said that the guy who was teaching just sat there and kind of waited. And no one got up. And he goes, okay, you know, I, I think God wants to heal you. And, and he goes on and gives some more words and then comes back and says, there's a woman here. And I've, I've said all this. He said, God's told me your name is Margaret. Now, who, wh- where are you, Margaret? And, and Margaret, thank you, <laughs> Margaret. A couple of Margarets here. <laughs> And he said, finally, the, a, a woman got up and just kind of shuffled forward, you know. And, and uh, this man's best friend saying this to him said, oh, my God, that's my sister Margaret. <laughs> and so Jack Deere, at that point, his whole paradigm that God does these things shifted. That he'd been locked into this idea that God doesn't do the things that we see in the Bible anymore, except kind of just every once in a while. And suddenly he saw, like, right in front of him, God working in a way that was, and, and, and Margaret was healed. So here's what Jack Deere said. He said, sometimes when you've spent a long time rejecting or neglecting the gifts of the Spirit and come to believe in them, you almost feel as if you are being born again. The Gospels and Acts come alive for you in a way that they never have before. 
Things that you had relegated to the first century now become a possibility for today's church. So Paul, he said, you guys are, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now that church believed in spiritual gifts, but in, in our modern church today in the United States, it's, it's, this is an area where we don't have a lot of understanding. And so not just understanding, but there's another error that we fall into about spiritual gifts, and it's this one. Paul talks about how when they were pagans, when, before they were followers of Jesus, that they worshipped idols. And, and two mistakes, well, one big mistake we can make about spirituality is there are, there, there's a whole spiritual world that God created. And a whole section of it, it can be accessed apart from Jesus Christ. But it's a, it's, it's a section and, and that operates in dark power and it's abusive and it, and, it, and it will enslave you. But you can connect to it. And you can connect to real spiritual power. And things like Reiki and all kinds of Eastern spiritualities that are now Western mainstream ideas, they open you up to spiritual power that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. And what we do when we surrender to Jesus is we open ourselves up to God, the ultimate power, and His kingdom. And in the name of Jesus we can begin to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a safe power. Well, it's, it's safe in, in the sense that it's not going to corrupt you and it's not going to enslave you. And I, 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 he's saying to them, because sometimes in our, in our quest and our hunger for answers, we open ourselves up just up to power. And power is out there. And knowledge is out there. But it, it will end up turning your life upside down if you dabble in it, or you really go, you know, neck deep into it. And if you have, you need to renounce it in the name of Jesus and turn your life over to him because he won't, he won't withhold things from you and he won't manipulate you and he won't enslave you the way these other powers will. So whenever followers of Jesus gather together, like we said, the Holy Spirit's always throwing a party. So here's that verse. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And there's, there's kind of two points that come out of this. We want to look at each of those points and just break it down a little bit and then do some application. So in our gatherings, the Holy Spirit is giving powerful spiritual gifts. So whenever believers, followers of Jesus, gather together, the Spirit of Jesus is there, and he makes Jesus real in what Jesus did. And what Jesus wants to do becomes available among us. And that these gifts are powerful. And they can come in the most sort of gentle ways and can just affect amazing things when they come. And that the, the Spirit, like just like we're going to leave these up here for a while, just to keep reminding you, gifts are here when you show up. When we gather together, gifts of the Holy Spirit are here. And they're waiting to be opened. They're waiting to be received. They're waiting to be shared. And so Paul's telling them in this, he's, he's informing them about things that they know, but they, 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 they were abusing spiritual gifts. I don't think, I think the problem in our church is we don't abuse spiritual gifts, we neglect them. That's our, that's our error. That's our problem. Theirs wasn't. They needed to be taught to use spiritual gifts in love, and I think we'll touch on that a little bit here. So the Spirit 
is the dancing hand of God. The word manifestation is this Greek word phanerosis, and one of the ways that it's translated, can't be translated, is when the church gathers together, the Spirit manifests these gifts like a dancing hand, just moving across the room and touching every follower of Jesus with different kinds of gifts. That when you sing and you worship and you gather, the Spirit comes because Jesus said, wherever even two or three are gathered, I will be there. And he's there through the presence of the Holy Spirit with every group of believers. And so when we gather, the Holy Spirit's here. And he says, the Spirit, these gifts are being given. And, And that word in the Greek was a present tense, a present continual tense, meaning that this is always happening, that the Father, through the Son, through the Spirit, is always doing something here. Sometimes he's doing a lot, other times he's not doing as much, but he's always doing something, always. That's what this passage says, literally. And so these spiritual gifts, one nickname that they picked up in the vineyard is gracelets, because they're They're bits of God's grace in a sense. When these spiritual gifts come, they come as gifts of insight, of power, and speech. So the nine gifts that he describes here, you could probably break them up into little groups of three. And they have to do with insight and power and speech and communication. And so what I want to do is just, I'm not going to go through all nine. I'm going to go through a few of them that that I think are, are... pretty common that we've seen over the years. And these gifts, again, God's hand comes and releases these gifts. And you may be sitting here thinking, I don't know if I've ever experienced that. Now, maybe you've had someone pray for you at one time, and and some gift came to you as they prayed for you, like God became real to you. But you can't look back and say, I don't think I've ever had a time where I think God, like I've experienced a spiritual gift, if, if that's what you're describing. I've experienced grace come to me. Maybe sometimes you've experienced through a teaching or praying or you're reading the Bible and some gift of grace, like the list we're going to describe here in a minute, has touched you. But he wants to work through you. The grace isn't just, you're not just at the end of the line where grace comes down to you. You're supposed to be part of the system that passes grace on. And as I'll show you in a second, it's not because you deserve it. Spiritual gifts are gifts. The the word is charismata. The Greek word, the root of spiritual gift is grace. Grace. That grace comes to you and it comes through you. Usually we receive it first and then we get, oh, that's so good. God will meet me. God is good to me. It takes us a while sometimes to realize God wants grace to work through you too. Just like it worked through Jesus. Now, I know sometimes it's hard to get our heads around that because we think in terms of merit. We think in terms of I have to deserve it or I have to earn it or I have to you know, be at some special status, but that's not, that's, that's not what grace is. So here's the first one. Word of wisdom is seeing what God sees in a situation and saying it. It's the application of God's wisdom to a particular situation. Like in the Old Testament, Solomon had two prostitutes and, and two babies, one dead, one alive. If you know that whole story, he had a word of wisdom on what to do at the moment. And he solved the problem. And that was, he was just a young man when he was made king. 
And he had to face this really challenging situation. And God gave him this amazing wisdom. And everyone just stepped back and said, Oh boy, God is with Solomon to, to be the king because he had this amazing wisdom. Almost every time we get together, people are struggling with things. Uh, you carry around with you this, these opportunities to talk to people and they're facing things. God wants to give you words of, of wisdom that offer them solutions in the moment. They're not wisdom you carry around on your own. They're wisdom that will come in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus and Matthew, when they asked him, uh, should we, they were trying to trick him. They said, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Remember that story? And he gave him this brilliant answer that just, you know, knocked everybody over. That's a word of wisdom. Here's another one, a word of knowledge. It's an insight into the things freely given to us by God. Facts about which the Spirit wishes declared about a specific public or private occasion. And here's, here's how words of knowledge come. There are times where you will just know something in a situation. Like an, it's an, we, another way to think of it is an intersecting thought. You're not thinking about something, and then you're in a gathering like this, and, and maybe there's a time of ministry, or you're praying with someone, and you're talking with someone, and this thought just crosses your mind, and with a little practice and some, some discernment, you can learn to recognize that thought's from God. That's a, that's a God moment for this person. That God's showing a need so that they can receive grace from him. That, and that a lot of times these words, um, um, I mean, these spiritual gifts work together. They come in clusters. You'll get a word of knowledge about a situation. And say, I was up in Canada uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, actually, was it this week? No, week before that. And I had a word of knowledge about something. And a, a guy got healed. It was the first time I, I, I told Mel that Mel has tinnitus. And it was, I prayed for people with tinnitus for years. And I've never seen him get healed. This is the first time. I went, I got one, finally, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I was about ready to give up. And he had, never, he had never experienced a healing before. And he's a good friend of mine. And... Uh, we've been friends for a long time. I was surprised he never experienced a healing, but it just popped into my head. So those words will come like that. And what, what happens is those words, almost all believers in Jesus experience this, but you haven't learned to pay attention to it. You haven't learned to notice it. And sometimes you'll see things. Like sometimes when I, I'll see, I'll look at someone's shoulder. Like I think, we'll pray in a little while. I think there's people here who have uh, some degree of frozen shoulder. And, and both, one or both shoulders. I mean, people, there are some people have right, some people have left. Uh, maybe you have both, but you have some kind of frozen shoulder. I want to pray for you about that. But you might, you'll see a person's shoulder. And, and you may just look at it and go, oh, you know, just, psh, that's just me. It's not. It's God. Sometimes you'll have a, a sympathetic pain in your body where you don't have a pain. Like you go, oh, my gosh, I got this pain in my side right here. And, and, you know, I don't really have a pain. Or maybe you think, maybe I do, but I don't hope not. <laughs> and that will be a prompt from the Lord. Uh, other times you'll be talking to someone and it'll just come out of your mouth. It's just like, boop. It, you don't think about it. God, it's like you're just talking and the Holy Spirit gives you this word. It forms in your mouth and you say it. And you go, where'd that come from? And the person goes, how'd you know that? <laughs> or that's me. 
Or someone in the crowd will say, that's me. Uh, last of all, you, you, I have friends who've seen words, like a ticker tape under you know, a news broadcast. They'll have the little ticker tape. And they just see things, and they just say it as they see it. And God will be speaking to people that are out there. And these are examples, Jesus in Matthew 9, and John, when he was talking to the woman at the well, this is a word of knowledge. He said to her, "Uh, go get your husband. And she goes, I don't have a husband. And boom, the words came. Yeah, I know you don't have a husband. The guy you're living with now isn't your husband, and you've had six six other men before that. That was a word of knowledge. Or some people could say that's a prophecy, but... It, he, this is knowledge that God wants known in the situation. Uh, Elisha, I, I won't read these. So, gift of faith is the mysterious surge of confidence arising in the heart when faced with a challenging situation or a great need. The gift of faith, this gift, is not the faith, the body of faith, you know, that we believe as believers. That's one thing the Bible says, the faith. It's not saving faith where you believe in Jesus for forgiveness of your sins. It's a different gift than that. It's not faithfulness, like we talked a couple of weeks ago in Galatians 5, where we talked about the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness or faith. It's not that either. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift that's given for a moment. And it doesn't, when you get the gift of faith, if you've ever experienced it, it doesn't hype you up. It seems to calm you down. You just have this confidence. Oh, God's going to do something here. I know it. And then you step out in faith and you, you act in his name and there's a release of power and stuff happens. Here's some examples. Jesus uh, was approached by the centurion who had a sick slave and he said, uh, well, I'll come to your house. Would you come heal my slave? Sure, I'll come to your house. And he said, oh, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word right now and it'll happen. And Jesus like stepped back and went, I haven't even, up to this point, I don't know anybody even in Israel that has faith like this. But the centurion had this confidence that God gave him in that moment to believe that Jesus could do whatever he asked him. The woman, anyway, uh, there's a couple more. Gifts of healings. This is maybe a different way you've ever thought of what people call the gift of healing. A gift of healing is not this thing that works through me It is what happens to the person who receives it. The gift is not for me. They get healed. It's the event of healing that works in them. And because, you know, uh, there might be, uh, Corey has one kind of illness, Jay has another, Maggie has another. The gifts are different. So there's a whole range, it's maybe an infinite range of, of gifts of healing that come. And so you don't carry around a gift of healing in your pocket and go, oh, I just pull it out. You know, here it is. It doesn't work that way. All these gifts happen in the moment. Remember the dancing hand of God? You're sitting there. John Wimber used to say it was like a plumber who goes to the plumbing problem. He opens the doors under the sink. He opens up his uh, toolbox, which is completely empty, and he looks at the problem and goes, okay, I need this tool, and he reaches into the empty toolbox, and a tool comes out. That that's how these gifts of the Spirit work. And you go, I don't like that. That sounds way too risky. I want to know, in my pocket, I got that tool. And in my box, I can hold a box, clank, 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 clank. You know, I shake the box, there's nine tools in there. It doesn't work that way. You will always 
face the problem, open your toolbox, look in it, reach around. There's nothing in there. You start sweating, and then you pray, and then you reach in, and the, the gift comes. That's the only way it works. And that may have just ruined the rest of the message for some of you because you're going, okay, checking out, getting the phone out right now. Going to start texting and checking my email because I don't like the risk part of this. But there's no other way to do this. But this is what makes it exciting. This is what makes it an adventure. This is what life is supposed to be about. It's living in this present moment and knowing that God's real and he shows up. That he shows up for you. That's the next. Okay, so gifts of healing. Uh, Here's some. Paralytic Naaman. A uh, man crippled for 38 years. Uh, I think I already did the gifts of miracles. Gifts of prophecies, declaring the heart of God to his church for the purpose of edification, building up the followers of Jesus. Uh, here's a couple of stories. Peter, here's a prophecy. Peter is uh, sitting with the other leaders in the church, and Ananias and Sapphira come in, and they go, here's, you know, we sold some property, here it is. And Peter says to them, you know, you didn't, did, did you get this, this such and such a price? And they go, yeah. And he goes, you're, you're lying to the Holy Spirit. And it, he got this prophetic word in that moment. Now that may seem like kind of a, I don't know if I want to get that kind of prophetic word, but sometimes prophetic words expose things like that. They expose where people are wrong, things that people are hiding, things that people are ashamed of. Uh, the weird thing about prophecy is God, God will show you where things are. God can show you where lost things are for other people. I know people out in California who work with different organizations and help them find lost people and lost things. And it's very, it's very much on the down low, but they have learned, they've developed their prophetic gift to that point where they, they pray and ask God to show them things, and God shows them where things are. And you go, What? And, and some of you go, that sounds kind of weird. And, and, and why would it sound weird? Why would it sound weird? If, 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 if people need, it's a need. If people need something. Why wouldn't God, who knows where things are, be willing to show people who care, who are in a position to help those people? A lot of times we don't realize whatever gift, this is a, a, a spiritual gift lesson is, everything you've been given is a gift and it's a stewardship. And if you have been given a gift, God wants you to develop it. He wants you to develop your health. He wants you to develop your finances. He wants you to grow in every area of your life. Everything he's given you is meant to grow. It's meant to develop and multiply. And he says, if you have that, in Matthew 13, 12, he who has will be given more. But he who doesn't have, even what they have will be taken away. You will lose it if you don't use it. I don't mean you'll lose it in the, in the, the absolute sense of the word. But it, it might as well be as if you don't have certain gifts that God's work through your life. So the Spirit gives good gifts. And this is where we'll push it down to what we want to do today. He gives spiritual gifts through all for the good of all. When we gather, the Spirit gives spiritual gifts to every believer without regard to merit, maturity, or rank. They're called gifts. Everybody gets to play. It's one of our sayings around the Vineyard Movement. Everybody gets to play. Because over the years, we've seen that. God even uses sometimes people who are disobedient, people who are in sin, 
People, sometimes even people who aren't believers, God uses them. Why? Because he's so generous, he wants to see grace given to people to make a difference in their lives. That if someone's just willing, God will use them. So how much more his followers should we you know, embrace this? So the Spirit gives gifts for the good of all, for the good of individuals and for the community. Here's the thing we have to watch out for. Consumer Christianity ruins the party. Consumer Christianity, which is easy for us to be in the grip of because we live in a, a very consumer society. And let me tell you something. All consumerism isn't bad. You have to consume to live. But you can become consumed by being a consumer and it can become all about you. And if there's one thing that this symbol right here tells us is if you're living your life and it's all about you, your life, you're you're the architect of your own misery. And that Jesus came to free us from making everything about us. The God who loves us and is for us will take care of us. But we, we have to surrender up this me orientation to him and say, I'm going to be out for you first and others second, and I believe you're going to take care of me. And I don't have to be enslaved to fear of not having enough, fear of not mattering, fear of being rejected and overlooked, because the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, comes into us to, to, to get rid of all those things. And so we gather, when we gather, because we're talking about gifts, these gifts We open these up when we gather. But we're gathering not to be entertained, which is what is thrown at us 24-7. We are constantly being bombarded by this, I want to entertain you, I want to entertain you. And so people walk into the vineyard, and they walk into churches, and churches live under this terrible burden of, will you entertain me? Will you make me feel good? And we're not here for that. We're here for him. First and foremost, we're, here, we're gathered here to glorify him, to thank him, to delight in him, which is better than anything else that we could, we could have. And then we're supposed to walk in the door and be concerned about the other people around us. Now, we're not always in the best frame of mind, so we might not be all about everyone around us, but we want to begin to cultivate that mindset and say, I believe if, if life works better, if, every, if I'm out for everybody's common good, because then other people are watching my back and I'm watching theirs. And then last of all, we gather to ourselves, be built up. These gifts come when we gather together and we reject that consumerist mentality. Because if you come in with the consumerist mentality, God will work, but it will start quenching the spirit who gives the gifts. Because that was what was happening in Corinth was the spirit was getting quenched by their attitudes and their selfishness. The way they treated each other, the way they treated the poor, the way the rich acted. And here's the one scary thing about this whole thing about the gifts that God gives us. In Proverbs 18.11 it says, when you're rich, it can become this high wall in your imagination that, that insulates you from human need and you can begin to be gripped by this idea that I don't really need other people because I got enough money to take care of myself. I got things to entertain me. People think I'm important. And then the whole idea of the common good begins to just be an option for us. And being part of a body is not something 
that becomes central to our lives. It's like, if I have time, it's like a hobby, right? Because everyone here knows when you have a hobby, it doesn't consume your life, hopefully. It's, a, it's, a, it's an accessory to your life that's, that, that is, a, is a gift, and it's a grace. But first things are first. And this consumer mentality will quench the Spirit and His work in our lives and among us. And so we have to, we have to I think, be attentive to that and that, that we're constantly being shaped by that. So last thing. I just want you to do this for two minutes. Right where you are, just think for a second, and then I want you to, to, to take a couple of minutes just to talk to people right around you and share one thing that you learned in the last 20 minutes or so about spiritual gifts. So think for a second. You might have thought, I don't want to buy those manker chips. That's what I learned. No. I want you to share what you learned, those, those man, mander pants, whatever that was. So just for a second, talk to people around you. Just one thing you learned. You got two or three minutes. Okay, if, if, okay, you guys, you got to stop talking. If there was some chatty person in your group that took up all the time, I'm sorry. That's not my responsibility. But, but let me, let me get a couple of responses. So somebody in this section, tell me one thing you learned that was helpful. Deep. That music and worship it seems to tune you in. That's true. That's one of the things that happens. Yeah. Over here. Somebody over here. Mike. Yeah. Okay. So Mike said, they talked that the spiritual gifts do build us up when we're together, but they also go with us when we're scattered, that we can see the same kind of impact when we begin to have that mindset that this can be for the common good for people outside the faith, people in, you know, where I, where I live, work, play, and learn. This section Two things. Pay attention. That's good. Good. Dirt. Yeah. Observing. You got to go. It's good to observe, but you need to go past observation to welcoming. Over here. This good. This is a chatty group over here. I hear. So come on. One one person. One bold soul. Oh, you saw some. Okay, you saw a spiritual gift. You didn't know what it was. Okay. Good. So, main point again. Whenever followers of Jesus gather together, the Holy Spirit's throwing a party. Today. Right here. And, and everyone's invited. So how do we participate in this party? Let me give you a quote. We gather with expectation. We gather for the common good. And we gather being willing to take risks. And here's what John Wimber said. If the worship team could come up, we're going to take some risks here. This is the key to this. This is the key. Please pay attention to this. We don't seek God's power We seek his presence. His power and everything else we need is found in his presence. Do you get that? That's worth reading again. We don't seek God's power. We seek his presence. His power and everything else we need is found in his presence. That was the... There's a few things in the early vineyard movement that sparked it. But that was one that was monumental. Because they so enjoyed God's presence, and they enjoyed it for a long time. And then one day, someone realized, when God's presence is here, His power is here too. And they began to pray. And, and, and it, this trickle of gifts started. 
And they began to see God's love poured out. They began to see God's wisdom poured out. They began to see discernment and healing and power and all kinds of things. And they were just like us. They were ordinary people. So what we want to do for a minute is just let's pursue the Lord's presence together. And then let's just, we're going to take a pause and just see what the Lord might want to do here. If, if maybe he's, he's giving some gifts out here. I, I, I think the point I've made is he's going to. But we're going to see, you know, what shape that takes. So 